Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. You're in your new home-ish. Well, my my sort of home-ish. I'm in Tim's loft. <laughs> We've been together 27 years and we live in separate places now. <laughs> I mean, it's all I good. Yeah. It's just do you. Uh, yeah, I am. If anything, if anything, gravel's taught me, right? <laughs> do it your way. It's really not at all different from people whose husbands or wives are consultants and they travel like all week and then are together over the weekend. Your job's just for taking you to different cities for right now. Exactly. Exactly. So how are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. I hope uh, we get to see, like the public gets to see a picture of your beautiful hair because you've got- I cut all my hair off. Cut all your hair off and it looks great. Well, okay. To be fair, when you said you cut all your hair off and you sent a picture, I was expecting it to be short. It's just shoulder length. Yeah, but it was like halfway down my back. Right. But you didn't cut it all off. Like that's like like six inches cut off. I thought you were going to go like a pixie. Oh, I've done that before. I'm not quite ready. I was like, it just has to be in a ponytail, but we had a recording that I had to reschedule on Tuesday. (laughs) On Monday, I was looking at the calendar. It's like, "Hmm, I have an hour block. I'm going to see if anybody can cut my hair tomorrow. Anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody. anybody (laughs) But there was this uh, salon that specializes in curly hair. It's called the curly hair salon which people may not know because it's always in a ponytail or I straighten it, but my hair is really curly. Yeah. So I went and she cut it and I, so, because I don't like, like I'm the weirdo. I don't like getting my nails done. I don't like getting my hair done. I don't like massage. I don't like sitting for that long. And she had me in and out in like 25 minutes. Dang. I appreciate that. Cause you know, they're not like drying it straight and all the stuff. Cool. So. I like it. It's fast. <clears throat> Good. Yeah. Um, besides moving, what have you been up to? Uh, moving. <laughs> it really does take everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
It does. Um, and had a good, I've had a good two nights of sleep the last two nights. So I'm feeling a lot more back to normal, which is sleep is important. That's what we need to have a sleep session, a sleep uh, episode. Dude, I need so much sleep help. So if you're listening and you want to come on and talk about the importance of rest and sleep, where are your gals? Come on over. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, sorry, that's my dog in the background. Yeah. Since like my shoulder is starting to unfreeze, which is okay. good, but now it just hurts all the time. And so, and I'm starting to roll over onto it at night. And so I just, I wake up and it hurts. And it, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my wrist, it'll hurt. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm a freaking mess. Bell's pacing behind me. She's like, you are a mess. And you, you keep me awake at night. Yep. And let's go out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> don't say the word. Oh! Here. I don't have my headphones in. <laughs> True. Um, anyway. Yeah. So not as much about us. <laughs> it's like the Catherine and Christy talk about random stuff episode. <laughs> I know. This is like the most boring intro ever. <laughs> Maybe I'm but better when I don't have fun. any sleep. <laughs> we have a fun guest though. We have um, a great guest. We finally got the scoop on the trans Rockies gravel Royale, which was really yeah. fun from um, Lauren Cantwell, who, um, speaking of somebody that doesn't sleep much. Oh, good grief. Yeah. ER doc, night shifts, training, like all, all the things. Um, and and is, you know, committed to racing. So, and good. So there you go. Yeah. What I liked about, uh, some of the stuff that Lauren said is she likes to go do those kind of longer stage races mm-hmm. uh, because it helps her just like get away. You know? And I was like, Oh, that really would be a good vacation. Cause a lot of them you're not riding all day and you're forced to kind of get away from technology and all the day to day and just have fun with people. So it's kind of fun to hear. I think she's like getting ready to do, I think she's doing BC, which is going on right now or next week. I think it's next week, but yeah. I think it's next week. So she, uh, that'll be her third, third one this year, her third yeah. stage, race, which is impressive. Um, that's where all of her vacation time goes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're, <laughs> we're going to stop complaining about not sleeping since our guest does not sleep very much and get onto our show with Lauren Cantwell. Lauren gives us some tips, um, toward the end of the podcast, we ask her a little bit about how to manage, you know, if you have an an injury or an accident out on when you're riding, since she is an ER doc and she just asked if she could re-record some things after she thought about it. So there'll be a difference in the audio that you'll hear when that drops in. Um, it's kind of the same thing. It's just, she had a few additional things that she thought would be important for us to know. So it's perfect. If you hear that. All right, we're going to get onto the show with Lauren Cantwell. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. 
The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit InsideTracker.com slash feisty. That's InsideTracker.com slash feisty. <laughs> We're just looking at each other like, who's going to start the podcast? Who's going to start? It's, it's our joke every week, Lauren. But, but I, think, I mean, I think I've been, I think, you know, I think Catherine, you need to start stepping up to the plate a bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I feel like the whole first year. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> really? Um, okay. <laughs> Lauren does not need to hear all this. Okay. Yeah, we exactly. have, uh, and I didn't even ask her how to say her last name this week. I'm, I'm way off. <laughs> okay, so Laura, we're gonna let you say your la- your first and last name. I-, I also don't know how to say people's names, even if it's Jones. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty pretty much unfortunately just like it's spelled given my job. Uh, it's Lauren Cantwell. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Um, okay, yeah. so I saw you. Um, well, I've seen you on social media a few times before, but I specifically saw you because you were racing the Trans Rockies Gravel Royale, and you came in second, the second place overall. Uh, our friends, Rach and Lindsay were also racing that event. And so we just started chatting and I was looking at all the things you do. And I was like, holy crap, how do you do all this? <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about who Lauren is? Uh, we usually start with how you got into cycling, but I feel like maybe that. And then <laughs> how did you decide cycling was a good idea with the career you have? Yeah. So um, I guess we kind of, we can kind of do the full story. So I first found bikes back in college. Um, I think a lot of us at some point have dabbled in triathlon. Um, and I was in college, I was in college in Southern California and I played volleyball growing up. Um, and so kind of partway through college, I played volleyball into college, but partway through, I decided I was like, I'm kind of done with this. And it just wasn't really working for me anymore um, for a variety of reasons, like some trans college transfer type stuff. And, um, and I had some friends um, uh, who convinced me, they were kind of the people they like signed up for an Ironman to just like go do an Ironman and they like did it. Um, and they're like, Lauren, you'd really like triathlon. Um, and you know, I was like, well, that sounds like a fun way to stay in shape. And I had kind of started to like run a little bit and I'd kind of not done that. So I, and it was like, I was like, that sounds great. Like I'll give that a try. And so I was like, you know, in school, like, I was like, I don't really have time for an Ironman, but a half sounded great. I was like, that seems something I could do. So I signed up for the ocean side half iron, um, and basically kind of started training for that on my own, just with zero coaching, um, and ended up completing it, um, and ended up doing that. And, um, basically kind of got into triathlon for a couple of years in college. Um, just like, I mean, amateur, um, age group stuff. And I think, I think at Oceanside, my second year, I qualified for worlds, um, and did race that. In, was it Ch- the Chattanooga year? Uh, no, it was the last year they had it in Clearwater. Um, oh, yeah. It was a while ago. 
Uh, I'm, I'm older than people think. <laughs> you, uh, I was like, oh yeah, you are older than people think. <laughs> yeah. clear water. So um, it makes sense yeah. there. That I'm doing the math in my head of all the yeah. things you've done. But. I've been in school for a while. <laughs> um, so I basically kind of found bikes then, and then, um, but I actually kind of mostly stepped away from bikes for a couple years. Um, I after college worked. Um, I love the mountains. Um, and just the outdoors. And I actually worked for uh, the National Outdoor Leadership School, um, Knowles, um, which is based in Wyoming um, for a couple of years after, um, after college. So I was doing backpacking, uh, mountaineering, um, and wilderness medicine um, with them. And so I basically, I kind of stepped away from bikes during that period. Um, I mean, I still had my bike and I would still enjoyed riding it. And I would kind of go for rides when I was like in town and um, not in the field and stuff like that. Um, and then um, in the winters, I love skiing. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, if I I could only do one or the other, I would probably pick skiing over bikes, <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> um, but it was basically, I was living, uh, spending winters in the Tetons and um, all my ski friends there were like, okay, we know you ride bikes. Why don't you mountain bike? <laughs> Um, and so I, the short of that is I had a really bad experience. I had a not good experience as a kid, um, which was pretty scarring. And so I just was not really like interested in that at all. And actually kind of during that time, I had an ex-boyfriend too, who totally tried to get me into mountain biking and did the classic like boyfriend takes girlfriend mountain biking. And it's like terrible. I still have scars from it. I was like, no, this is not fun. Um, so I was very, very, very resistant to this whole idea of mountain biking. And um, anyway, so I worked for Knowles for a couple of years and um, kind of then I hit the point. I knew I wanted to go to med school coming out of college, um, but I also knew like there are certain things like once you start the med school path, like you're not going to like have the time to do other things really. So I kind of knew that that was the trajectory I ultimately wanted to do, but I was also wanting to like take some time to do other stuff that I really wanted to do. And so I basically um, ended up getting into med school in Roanoke, Virginia. I'm from Virginia originally, but I grew up in southeast part of Virginia, which is like Hampton Roads area, a lot of military. My family's not military, but it's, it is a big kind of well-known military area. Very flat, like suburban sprawl, like not mountains, nothing really. And so that was my vision of Virginia for the most part. And, um, and I was like, oh my God, I have to go back to Virginia for med school for like four years. I'm going to like, this like, skiing is going to be terrible. I was like all mad. And I start like researching Roanoke and I basically was like, oh my gosh, it, well, it looks like there's mountain biking there. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I actually let one of my girlfriends, I was like, okay, you have, like, I'm about to lose steam from my life. And like, you have to convince me that like, you guys have been saying this, you have to convince me that this might be something I like. And so I let her take me out in Lander and, um, I, I was completely scared the entire time. Um, but I was like, okay, I could see maybe how, if I got a bike and like, got just got used to this a little bit better, it might be fun. Um, so I basically bought a bike when I moved to Roanoke and just started riding, um, and started mountain biking. And, um, I mean, I didn't race for several years. Um, I think my very first ever race, uh, it was called, I don't, I don't think it happens anymore, but it was the Iron Mountain 100K. Um, because if I'm going to jump into a mountain bike, I was like, well, endurance isn't my problem. It's like the technical skills. 
So I basically got to the point I was like, oh, like, I feel like I'm kind of like after this is like two years in the mountain biking. I was it was just before I started my third year of med school. And um, like literally days before um, this will come important in a minute. Um, so um, and so I basically like did this. I was like, I signed up for this race. I was like, when I, I just wanted to go down there and ride, but none of my friends would come with me. So I was like, fine, I'll do this race. I just want to finish like, you know, I wasn't. But I was like, the, the, the distance isn't the problem. It's just the technical skills. Well, um, and I was prepared. I was like, I'm not that great yet. Like, I'll carry a first aid kit. Well, I crashed like 15 miles in. There was like this steep, rocky, like north facing wet section. And that year, like it had just poured the entire night before. And then we had a bunch of storms all throughout the race too. So everything was super wet. And I just slipped out on a rock and just hit a rock with my knee the right way and just split my knee wide open. Um, And you were in med school. (laughs) So I literally looked at it and I was like, well, that's going to need stitches later. (laughs) But I had my little first aid kit. So I had Gatorade in my camelback at the time. And I was like, that's not really good for wounds. So I washed, I picked the lesser of two evils, washed it out in a creek that was nearby and then wrapped it up and finished the race. <laughs> so I was like, if it bleeds through the bandage, I'll stop. <laughs> it didn't hurt that badly. So I finished the race, hosed it off, and then drove back to Roanoke and had to go to the emergency <laughs> to get it sewn up. Um, and I actually, uh, one of my attendings numbed me up, but then I actually did suture my knee. He went to the other patient, so I sutured my knee. So <laughs> Wait, you sutured? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty entertaining. That's impressive. I literally want to remember one of the surgery residents who knew me walking by and being like, the hell is going on right now? <laughs> like, you could get somebody to do that. <laughs> but anyway, so I basically started like third year of med school, like on crutches with like this giant, like my knee was split pretty like fresh stitches. And I was I was a mess for the start of third year of residency. Like my my the my the residents who were in charge of me, like then as a med student, like, I, cause I stayed there for residency, um, teased me for like years after, cause they were still there. Like every time they'd see me, I would get teased. It was great. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I've kind of started, I mean, I started mountain biking then it kind of started to dabble in races and all my friends there did this amazing mountain bike race, um, there called the Shenandoah 100. Um, and so it kind of, it's a hundred mile. Um, and so that kind of became my goal is to like, I wanted to like be able to finish the Shenandoah 100 and just do it. Um, cause like, that's what like all of my friends were like, everyone does that every year. Um, which is also really sad because that race got canceled this year, like super last minute due to some political issues. Um, but, um, it basically, um, so that became my goal and I ultimately like ended up, um, being able to stay there for residency. Um, cause honestly, basically living there for four years, I was like, oh my gosh, the riding here is just amazing. Like it's honestly, probably as good, if not better than anywhere I've lived so far. And I've lived some pretty like classic, like riding places, just because like the road riding is amazing. The gravel riding is amazing. The mountain biking is amazing. Like all of it. Um, it's just a really well-rounded place, um, as far as like riding goes. Um, I was really, really lucky to be there. And I realized that like during the, like during, like by the end of med school, I was like, wow, this is an awesome place to live and ride my bike. And it's really easy to just access it with is like the schedule that I'm going to have in residency. Um, and I can just get out easily here and like cheap cost of living. You're not making a ton of money during residency. And so, um, yeah. And the training there was great. Patients were super sick. So it was a great place to train. Um, 
And so I stayed there for residency and basically did Shenandoah 100 my first year um, of residency. Um, and just like to finish it. Um, and then kind of was like, at that point, I had started dabbling in some like local gravel races um, in that area and had a gravel bike and was kind of started to like be like, oh yeah, this racing thing was kind of fun actually. And um, just kind of started to get more back into like back into racing and um, the, like my second year residency, I decided to like, kind of do some more of the like NUE series, um, races like Shenandoah's in, in those and kind of did a little bit more traveling with it. Um, and then basically kind of like late second year of residency, early kind of third year, I decided I was really, I actually realized that I really liked the pediatric side of emergency medicine. And that's what kind of pushed me to do a fellowship. Um, and so basically my third year, um, I was applying for fellowship, um, and got, got into a fellowship, um, in the Bay area. Um, and so I knew kind of starting December of my third year that I'd be moving to the Bay, um, which cost of living is very different than mm -hmm. the Virginia, Southwest Virginia. Um, and I was trying to kind of make that move, um, and, you know, rent and things like that on a resident salary coming from Virginia, which was challenging. So I mean, I basically like wasn't to any sponsors or anything like that. I couldn't afford racing. Um, and so I basically, um, didn't race that year. Um, just cause I, I literally was like, I have to save money. I can't afford entry fees. I can't afford travel. Like I can't afford to fix my bike as much as like, or, you know, I can barely afford to fix my bike as much as like just me riding it is doing much less like racing and, um, things like that. So I kind of mostly took that year off from racing. Um, my, I think I did three races that year. Um, the first was Carson city off-roads and I just did the pro backcountry. And that was actually a funny story because my, I was literally in the middle of my move to California and my ex-boyfriend called, like texted me as I was in twin falls coming from Jackson hole to like, the, like Sacramento, like to the Bay. It was like, can you, we're like in twin falls, Idaho. And I get this text. He's like, can you make it to Carson city tonight? And I'm like, why? He's like, would you like to race the race tomorrow or not? I was like, really? So, um, I basically just like did that race, like completely off the couch, like had just like blown myself up in, um, the Tetons for three days riding after like packing and moving and driving and not having like a week of riding. And so I just like completely blown myself up. And like, prior to getting that text, I was like, my legs are really tired. I'm like, sure. I'll come race tomorrow. That's great. That says a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think we got in at like my, I was like, mom, can I please go do this? Cause she was with me and she hates long car drives. And she, she caved and let me like, I think we got in at like midnight <laughs> I raced the next morning. Um, and I think I did Tahoe trail hundred K too. And, um, and then old growth classic, which is a kind of gravel, like gravel race. And, um, that was in, uh, kind of out of Santa Cruz area, um, that year, but yeah, that's all the racing I did that year. And then kind of was really excited for 2020 and <laughs> did some hoppers early <laughs> 24 hop and then we all know what happened after that yeah. so uh, and then yeah, 2020 that's like <laughs> so, I was super yeah. excited I was like super strong that year and I was really excited to do some racing um but oh well I did some a lot of bike packing instead <laughs> well I want to know do you now have a suture kit in your first aid kit I don't carry a suture kit with me on the bike at all I definitely have staples and sutures in my van uh, uh -huh. at my house along with a lot of lighting <laughs> so nice I have separately had to suture myself at home a couple times in the past 
<laughs> okay, so we're not riding with Lauren. <laughs> no, I'm riding with Lauren. <laughs> Just if she still. gets if she gets wounded. Uh-oh, I'm hold on. Oh gosh. Are you overheating? Lauren's like in the heat wave, and so she's her computer is overheating, so she's moving into a cooler area. Her computer's smart. Yeah, she's probably gonna come back. Let me just pause the recording. Okay. Okay, we're back. We're back. But a little little heat wave here. My computer overheated. (laughs) Your computer's smarter than you are. It's like even 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 though it was it was in the shade, it really wasn't that bad out there. (laughs) So you're not still in uh, the Bay Area, right? No. So I live in Reno now. Um, so I finished fellowship, uh, last summer, um, in July and then moved to Reno. Um, and so I work here, I work in one of the hospitals here now. So, okay. yeah. So you're an emergency room doctor, emergency room doctor. And then I did a subspecial, like I did my fellowship, um, so subspecialized in pediatric emergency medicine. Um, and so I work, uh, pretty much like set about 70%, mostly kids, um, we have a pediatric emergency department here in Reno um, at Renown, which is where I work. And so since with my training, I work probably 70% of my shifts um, in that pediatric side. Um, and then I, we actually, I, most of my shifts, I see some adults too, because um, we kind of, just how our staffing model works. Um, I'm able to do that, but I kind of try to focus on the kids when I'm there. Um, and then I still work some adult shifts as well. Um, and like see adults as well. Cause I did my residency in emergency medicine rather than pediatrics. So yeah, I love seeing adults <laughs> too. And, and you work nights. Yeah. So, um, pretty much like fellowship, we pretty much worked this swing shift all the time. And then, um, kind of the way, like the group that I'm in works, um, kind of your first three years, you're all nights <laughs> basically. <laughs> So um, I'd say 70% of my shifts are 7P to 3A. Um, and then <laughs> a lot of my other shifts are like, so like tonight I'm 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Um, tonight, tomorrow night. Um, and I worked 10 to 6, not last night, but the night before. Um, Is it hard with the changing? Like, I think I could it can manage be. it one way or the other, but the. It can be, um, I would say, so uh, honestly, I have a little bit, I think I have a little bit easier time with the constant, like I have so many seven to threes that they tend to kind of stack in a row. Um, it's actually easier. Like I actually sleep surprisingly well. I just have a very different sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. So I just go to bed usually like three 30, four in the morning and I sleep till noon (laughs) or so. Um, and then I get up and I have my day. So like in the summer, I'm doing most of my rides, like middle of the afternoon. Um, yeah, which can be a little warm. (laughs) Um, and then like, like we're in a pretty bad heat wave right now. And like tomorrow I'm actually probably going to bring my road bike with me to the hospital and just do my workout right when I get off. Cause it's, it is actually really bad here right now. <laughs> so it's been not so like, I can kind of deal with it till it hits like 99 or so. And then it's like, I'm like, mm, this is no longer fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't think yourself. I, I think, I think I'm just going to take, well, and the other thing too is like, it's one thing when I get off at six and it's still like, it's basically getting light out. So I can just go ahead and do go out yeah. versus like getting off at like three or so you're like, I'm not, I, I, I actually go to sleep. It's a little, I don't know. I think it's easier to go to sleep getting off because your sit's still dark out. Like, um, so it's a little easy. I wouldn't like, yeah. otherwise I'm like not going to like stay up till seven to go ride. <laughs> so yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I just, 
my schedule just kind of tends to be a little bit more different. I just, you tend to train in the afternoon, honestly, um, which works out pretty well in like the winter, like days are short, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like the 10 to six, yeah, kind of the flipping around can be challenging. Cause I definitely noticed that like, I, if it's like coming off those strings, like it's hard to go to sleep early. Um, and then like, honestly, for me waking up early, like race days are really hard. Um, Cause I'm just, nuts. oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> this, this is an all night race. I got, you should do yeah. some of those. Like, all so night. actually, yeah. So I've done 24 hours in old Pueblo, like both as a two person and a four person team. That was great. Oh, Lauren um, would kill it on um the 350. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. All night, a, like start in the afternoon at three 30. Yeah. It's your race. There's a rate of mountain bike race in Colorado. I really want to do called the vapor trail 125. And uh, it starts at 10 PM. I'm like, perfect this is on my sleep schedule. (laughs) (laughs) So you're racing at the elite level and a lot, at a lot of these events uh, or the pro pro level, we call the pro level. Mm -hmm. How the hell do you balance all that? (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) I think it's maybe the best answer. I, I guess I've just kind of been doing it for a while. So, um, I kind of just like I love someone told me in as I was like starting med school or residency, I think it's residency. They're like, I think someone said at some point, they're like, you have one, you can have basically like one hobby during residency. And they're like, if you have like a family kids, that's gonna be it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, you know, for me, like I don't, and like that was for me, that was bikes. Um, and so um you know, I think it's just, it's something we talk a lot about like wellness now in medicine. And I mean, for me, it's just something it's always like made me really happy. Um, you know, it's like how it's stress relief, it's fun. I mean, it's, and, and honestly, and I'll kind of put like skiing in that too, like, cause in the winter, like I will not ride my bike. So I'm like, I will go ski instead of riding my bike. Um, you know, and so it's like just things that kind of make me happy. Like, you know, exercise always brought me like stress relief and, um, you know, I, yeah, I just really enjoy it. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just, I kind of have to focus myself on like, I'm like, what are my needs? Like, this is what I'm doing. And I also need to like eat, I need to sleep, like all of these kind of core things. Um, but it is also something that just like makes me really happy. So I kind of mm-hmm. have found ways to balance that in, um, while also prioritizing like sleep and stuff too. Um, and so I actually like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, just started working with a coach uh about a month and a half ago for the first time ever that's amazing (laughs) um yeah it was just like riding a ton and um just kind of just riding for fun and doing it myself and riding with friends of mine who were fast and um with really no like and I actually kind of not gonna lie a bit overdid it this past spring um and kind of realized I was like maybe it'd be good for someone to tell me when to rest (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a huge part of having a coach though. Right. Yeah, totally. Not necessarily to tell you what to tell you what not to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and fitting that in with the, I mean, stress is stress and obviously, you know, you have a stressful job. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously are an overachiever, which means you're not going to listen to your body. You're going to listen to your brain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. I was honestly, like, I felt like I was pretty good about it before that. And then like, yeah, the spring kind of showed me that like where my weaknesses, where I was like, yeah, you're not good at this. (laughs) 
<laughs> you needed someone else. <laughs> Yeah. so yeah um yeah I had like an injury and then <sighs> just as I was coming back I broke my clavicle this spring like crashed my gravel bike and broke that the first week of May and then um, okay Catherine I think too. you're right I don't think I want to ride with someone. <laughs> 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 I'm pivoting I'm changing so. my answer <laughs> Um, but yeah, everyone else was fine. It was just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I took out, I took a couple, a couple of ribs, took a hit and my, my clavicle that had oh my surgery. Gosh. Um, yeah, my, my, I think my orthopedic, my, my orthopedic doctor was really funny. Cause I was back at work two days after surgery. Um, and I only missed one. Sh- I missed well, I, I think I took a day off in that stretch. Cause I was just like exhausted. I was like, my, my body needs a day off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was back at work like two days later, my orthopedic surgeon happened to be on call and I called him with a console. He's like, oh, you're back. That's <laughs> funny. He's like, I think I told you to rest. Yeah. This oh, he's not what I meant. Go back as soon as I, uh, he said I was completely clear as soon as I was so, yeah. I think he was more surprised I was at work than I was back on my bike. So, yeah. oh God. But, um, yeah. And then I just got sick a bunch and like, I kind of got had a round of a GI bug at my sister's wedding and lost a bunch of weight just like really quick with that bug and like then COVID and it was just like a uh. compounding list of things back to back that I was like trying to just overdo being like but Oregon's and Oregon Trail gravels in like a few weeks yeah so did you <laughs> end up doing well, Oregon I did Oregon but I basically had COVID just over a week before and I basically and I that was kind of the point that I realized I was like I've overdone it and so I literally got sick that night. I just like literally quit riding my bike. I didn't ride my bike at all for over a week um, until the start line of Oregon. And I literally also just approached the race. I was like, I'm not racing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to kind of like reset my mind, just try to like ride and get through the days. Like, cause right now, like I don't need to like load my body that intensity, like just finishing these five long days back to back, given the last two months is probably all my body needs. (laughs) Um, and like, I don't need to like overdo it again. So, um, I actually like came out of the GC, um, just by choice the last two days, like day four and day five. And, um, one of my girlfriends and I, uh, Andrea Dvorak, um, she friend from Virginia and she, uh, she and I actually rode together and left an hour early, which was really fun because we just got girl time. We got to like go our own pace. And then we got to like watch the boys go by and kind of like see the men's race like unfolding too, nice. and kind of like cheer on our friends who were racing. So that was actually, it was actually really fun. Um, and it was kind of like exactly, I think it was really like the reset I needed. Yeah. Um, and then kind of just started like training after that, like got a coach after that and um, have kind of like hit the reset button <laughs> for that year or the year then. And so, yeah. Well, good for you. Uh, <laughs> Well, and then you just did um, the Trans Rockies where you, I did, as we mentioned at the beginning, you were second with yes. the last best ride on the front end of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about overdoing things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> All righty um, then. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, Lindsay Glasser used to be our podcast editor for like okay. a year and a half. So, um, so it was fun to see her racing and, and rage. And I was like, who's this other woman that I keep seeing in pictures in between them. Um, so yeah, I know they've tried for a couple of years to have that race, but give us a little bit of the scoop on that, that event, kind of what the vibe was like and what the riding was like up there. Cause I'm super fascinated by it. Yeah. So honestly, I, it was, it was maybe my favorite gravel event I've done so far. Um, oh. it was really good. Um, 
So I, we kind of should cover this a little bit. I'm a mountain biker. Um, and one of the things I really love about gravel, um, and uh, gravel bikes is like kind of that you can take them on a variety of terrain. Um, and so, um, the races that are like super like road bike friendly, honestly, like don't really appeal to me very much. Um, and, um, versus like this one was, it was just a really interesting course. Um, so it was actually funny. So I, I, so I had done last best ride, you know, of course the day before and, um, you guys, I think I know you were there, Catherine, um, and like, they were talking about the bighorn sheep climb and it's like this, what, five minute hike a bike. Um, well, day one of trans Rockies had about 45 minutes of hike a bike. <laughs> I was like, they're like, it gets a little steep. And it was like, it gets a little I steep. mean, it was the like, I mean, just the whole race was like, you, like you wanted a gravel bike. Like it, you were like, I, there's like some pavements and smooth sections, but you're like, I know what's some like legit tires because there's single track. There's like kind of rougher two track, like all the things. Um, and it was just a really like well-rounded course, like that really kind of like pushed you to like, you had to like use roadie tactics on like the flats and, um, but also like you had to be able to handle a bike to make it through like the single track and you had to hike, um, <laughs> which I, I love a good hike a bike. So, um, yeah, but it was really funny. Cause like we started and it, I mean, literally day one had like, it was like this kind of loose dolls head, um, two track fire road. That was like definitely not really rideable. <laughs> it was like you kind of had sections you could ride, but then you'd have to get off and walk again. And then it turned into like this like switchback single track um, uphill that you like all pushing. And then it kind of then you got to the top of the pass, and then you were like single track downhill for a little while. That was wow. actually like there were some like root drops and like some like you had to you had to ride a bike. <laughs> um, and then you got like hit gravel again, and it was just like this huge beautiful. I and mean, the scenery was stunning um and yeah it was just like a, I I really loved the course because it was just like as a mountain biker I also enjoyed the single track sections and yeah. that I think probably some other people would probably hate um but I thought they were great <laughs> so it was just like a really well-rounded like course yeah. and I, I felt like it was really like a race that like pushed a gravel bike to like do what it was capable of yeah, uh, yeah. in all the things so um and the vibe of the race was just amazing um I think like it was just very laid back. Um, you know, one of the things I really appreciated, like, you know, there were a bunch of, you know, there definitely pros there, you know, definitely on the guys side, there were a bunch of like the Canadian pro pro guys were there. Um, you know, and just like everyone was like doing, like everyone was like kind of on the same level. Like everyone was sleeping in the tents. Like there weren't like team bands, like supporting, you know, just their yeah. riders and stuff like that, which I think has um, kind of attracted, I don't know, it feels to me like it's, I think the original kind of the way gravel was, it was like, we're all on the same foot. And like, that's, I think one of the appeals to a lot of people. And I think it's kind of gone away from that in a lot of regards, um, especially at some races. Um, but yeah, it was just nice, like not having that vibe there. Yeah. Um, so I was just wondering, like, being a physician and having a busy job, if those stage races are actually feel a lot like a vacation because you're not riding all day, right? Like you're done yeah, kind of midday and then you have so, the rest of the day just to chill out and hang without it is. the worries it is. of. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so for me, like it is, yes, absolutely. Like it's totally like a vacation for me. Um, but it's also like, even in picking my race schedule. So I, as an emergency medicine doctor, I have to work two or four weekends a month. So it's actually easier for me with my schedule. Cause I can stack shifts. I just have to work X number of weekends a month. 
Um, so that makes it actually, it's easier for me to get off for like a week long stage race than it is for three weekend, three, one day weekend races. Mm-hmm. Um, so like some, some, like if I'll do like a local race, like lost and found or, um, Pater, um, as I did like set as Pater this year, um, I worked after it. So like, I basically like to direct a Friday off. I you go in with your mud on your face. Yeah, and I like <laughs> go home, shower and go to work. Um, and so like, that's how, but that's how if I'm going to do like a, th- like three weekends in a month. It has to be like, one of them has to be a local race that I can like work after. So yeah, it's, it's just the kind of like for my schedule, it's easier for me to do a stage race than it is yeah, for makes sense. Like, several weekends. Well, um, I would love to kind of shift gears because you are emergency room physician and we, um, you know, like sometimes you're on gravel and some things happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to pick your brain on maybe a few of the common things that we hear, um, happen to people and like how to handle that, if that happens. Mm-hmm. So the, the ones I was thinking of Christy might have some others, but like, <laughs> uh, collarbone, like somebody falls and breaks their collarbone. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you could be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. maybe like a gash or a cut. And then like uh, other fractures, as I look at my potentially fractured wrist, <laughs> uh, but uh, Christy, are there others that you all see like on races? You know, the, the, just like, I think just kind of the big cuts and abrasions, like, you know, like, especially yeah. road rash, cause the road rash on gravel can be pretty mm-hmm. gnarly, especially. So, you know, how yeah. do you so, like, that? Yeah. Do you have any tips for folks? Like if they're with somebody or if that happens to them when they're out riding, like how to manage some of those big big things that we see that you would normally be like, get in the car, we're going straight to the emergency room. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, like most fractures, um, the best thing you can kind of just to do is support and immobilize as best you can, um, kind of for just like most general people, um, you know, so, and most patients are going to kind of guard themselves pretty naturally, especially the collarbone. You'll see that a lot. Um, I know from personal experience, um, like when I crashed, like I literally like was like doing, I was like literally sitting on the ground doing inventory. And like, I think many of us have at least had a crash good enough that we're like, you, you know what I mean? Doing inventory. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, my head's okay. My neck doesn't hurt. Like my back doesn't hurt. Okay. Can I stand up? And you're like, okay, I can stand up. In my case, it was like, okay, let me grab my bike. And I reached over my bike and I was, just felt it pop. And I was like, Gross. oh, that's not oh. going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and like right in with my arm. I was like, no, I'm standing right here. Um, and so like your patients will guard themselves pretty naturally for the most part and like not really want to move, which is nice. Um, so kind of just supporting them and whatever is most comfortable for them, I'd say for kind of like fractures, things like that, um, for like cuts, um, you know, if you've got clean, like one, the biggest and most important thing is try your best to stop bleeding. So, you know, a road rash or something like that is like, not going to be a ton of blood loss, but if you really truly get a deep gash, that's, you know, bleeding a lot um, applying as directive pressure as you can to that. Um, and just trying to stop the bleeding, um, is going to be your best kind of most important intervention. Um, so we talk about like the ABCs in uh, medicine a lot. So airway, breathing, circulation. Um, and so kind of like C is pretty far, you know, circulation, are you bleeding? So kind of trying to stop the bleeding is going to be, um, probably the, is the most important intervention you can try to do, um, just like on scene. Um, you know, other than that, you know, I would kind of, I just would like to advise over, you know, it's always a good idea to like know CPR, um, you know, and cause if you don't have a ton of medical training, like there's just like, there's a lot of stuff you're not going to be able to manage super well, but like, if you can like, I mean, in the worst circumstances, like if you have CPR training, at least like in those, 
bad situations, you could at least like help open someone's airway, keep their airway open. If you need to breathe for them, you can. Um, so, um, you know, obviously if it's a really bad head injury and things like that, like you are not like you, they need to get to a hospital. Um, and the best thing you're going to be able to do on scene is support their airway and, um, stop any bleeding. It's kind of stabilize them from that standpoint as best you can. So knowing CPR is great. And then kind of stopping bleeding, I think are kind of, I'd say the biggest things for kind of just the general person that doesn't really have any medical training and kind of might come on scene of a bike crash. So. Okay. Lauren. So if you were out on a ride being an emergency room physician, like tell us, give us a scoop on what you would take with you. Yeah. So honestly, like I don't bring a ton. Um, I don't like, unless I'm on a bigger bike packing trip or something like that, that's more prolonged. I don't carry a ton of things. Um, I usually, my biggest things I'm going to carry one, an emergency communication device. Um, cause a lot of my rides, um, and probably a lot of folks who are heading out on pretty remote, whether mountain bike rides or gravel rides, or even some road rides in some areas, communication could be an issue. You lose cell phone service, um, things like that. And in case of emergency, I, the biggest thing is honestly being able to call for help. Um, you know, I also always, I think it's always important to have like extra layers, extra food, um, and even a way to like purify water if needed. Um, cause some of the things like, I mean, there's a lot of injuries out there, you know, just hold, simply holding direct pressure, even if it's like with a hand or like a jacket, whatever you have available, um, is almost one of the easiest interventions that we can do for like something like bleeding. Um, and you know, broken bones, things like that, you're probably still going to at least want just some support and patients are pretty good at splinting themselves, um, at least for the short term. Um, you know, you're not really realistically probably going to have a whole lot of supplies carrying with you. Um, but basically maybe just some basic like bandage supplies would be, you know, kind of the, the lower end of the spectrum. Um, maybe like a cravat to do a quick sling, or if you have a jacket that can improvise as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think honestly, like where we are, and I think this is a really just important takeaway from just kind of even wilderness medicine, like we are effectively in the wilderness. So wilderness is, oh, wilderness medicine often we define as an hour away from definitive medical care, which if you think about where many of us ride and the access and the time that it's going to take to get there, that falls under that category. Um, and so it's being prepared for prolonged times, managing someone who's hurt themselves. And that is as simple as being able to keep that patient warm, being able to keep you all warm, keep you all hydrated, um, and then also get the help that you're gonna need, um, which could be challenging um, and it could take a while. So I think that's really um, the biggest thing. Um, you know, I think, doing like a CPR class or even a, like a two day wilderness first aid course is really beneficial. They have like, that's could be a great off season activity for yeah. people is like take a weekend in your off season and like go find like a two day wilderness first aid course and do it. And it'll give you just at least some basic framework, um, to kind of manage some pretty basic injuries and illnesses. Um, and, you know, just kind of recognize those things and give you a little bit more comfort with those if something happens and then having that ability to like, just being more confident to call for help, um, and manage the situation in the short term. Um, so I think that's, those are probably the biggest things. Um, you know, and I think there, I unfortunately do know some folks, um, one person in particular who came on someone during an Ironman, but, um, you know, there, there, as we know, there have been even deaths during races and, um, events and people can get, we take part in a risky activity and things can happen. And, um, 
you know, I think it's also really important for folks to understand, like, do your best, try to provide help, but we are at risk for injuries that are catastrophic. And um, just based on the speeds that we go, the activity that we do, um, and those are risks that we, I think many of us accept as part of that. But, you know, I do think, you know, for those, if you're ever unfortunate to be in that situation that you're managing something really catastrophic, um, just know that there's also in many of those situations, no matter what medical training, if someone is that far out and someone gets that severely injured, there's really nothing you or anyone else, even with more medical training necessarily could have done in that situation with minimal equipment. So I think that's just really important, like depressing, but also I think important. Um, Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's not anything that happens on course. We were talking about that before, but I I had a friend who died of a brain aneurysm at 39. Like she was very elite triathlete and nobody like you just never knew that it was coming right it could be yeah it could be a traumatic cause it could be a medical cause um you know you never kind of know what's what's going on um I know I have multiple Ironmans I've heard of like people have had heart attacks during the races and you know things like that so you know it's it's really sad of course when it happens but um you know and i think everyone's seen doing the best they can um is really important and i think one too i like um i think race directors being really supportive and encouraging of participants to aid others is great um i know like at trans rockies actually someone crashed and broke their clavicle and the race hat was like very much like we are out there like if something happens stop please help the person like start a clock and they did i mean they folks stopped helped him started a clock and they subtracted the time they're like you stopped for 25 minutes like great we're just taking your time right off. Like, and so I, and they really like apply. And I think that that applauding of that, I mean, we should be doing that anyway, but, um, I, you know, I, you know, so I think that's just great that they really put that out there. It was like our, everyone's safety is like huge here. So yeah. Yeah. Help people on course, unless blood (laughs) makes you throw up, then maybe don't throw up on them. (laughs) Yeah. Try try to miss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for those great tips, Lauren. Oh, and I guess the other thing I will bring up is meds. Um, So if you have allergies, so I'm allergic to bees. I always carry epi. Um, um, So I will, I will always have epi on me um, on a ride or run or something like that when I'm out. And then um, I have asthma too. Um, I actually like DNF, uh, lost and found this year because I had a giant asthma attack during the race. Um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty solid. Um, and I forgot my albuterol that day. So, um, that did not, (laughs) I mean, and that was fully an error on my part. Like I hadn't had any issues during the summer before when it wasn't smoky and I just didn't bring it. And it was just, I think it was a little cold that morning. I was also kind of in the middle of all the illness issues. So I think that was part of it too. And, um, yeah, I, had a bad, really actually quite bad asthma attack. And like at age five, my stats were in like the mid eighties, low eighties after sitting for 15 minutes by the time the medics got there without butyrol. So I was like, Oh, I, read my I don't know book. a lot about that, but I know that's not good. Solid hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is all, this is all really interesting. I, I have a friend that she, um, it's always extremely, extremely prepared for gravel rides. <laughs> and so I saw this, like, uh, it was like an Instagram reel 
where it was the person that always has everything, you know, and like, it was just a joke, but they were pulling out like out of their bike bag, you know, like fresh baked cookies and a container <laughs> and a, a spare tire. And like, so I'm just picturing like, you know, you open it up and there's a surgery kit and all those things coming out of your bike yeah. bag. That would actually be a funny reel for this one. Okay. Um, although I think my friend Libby might actually have all those things in her bike bag. <laughs> Was this Libby Caldwell? No. <laughs> Uh, no, Libby Brown. Different, different Libby. Okay. <laughs> we used to lead group rides, and one day she showed up with these amazing, like, um, I think she got them on Amazon, but this, these little first aid kits that fold up and they'll go in your back pocket, your jersey pocket, mm. and they kind of have everything like in them. So nice. <laughs> she's like, "Here, we're your leading group rides. You need these." It's like, this is amazing. Yeah. I will say, like, one thing I will also throw out there is it also depends where you're riding on what you might need. So, like, if you're riding down in the desert southwest where there's a bunch of, bunch of cactus, like a pair of tweezers um, like is yeah. something that could be really key, right? Like, like, maybe you wouldn't need elsewhere, but, like, there you're like, oh, yeah, this is actually a hugely important yeah. thing just based on your environment. So, <laughs> you have to go down in the cactus. <laughs> yeah. It well, happens. Yeah. Well, what's left for you this season, Lauren? So, um, I actually, I only have one race left, um, but it's a stage race. Um, you took so all then, your, you took all your vacation days already. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I have BC bike race here in a couple weeks. Um, so I'm heading oh, back nice. up to British Columbia. And so, yeah, that, will, some, that will not suck. Mountain biking. <laughs> I know I'm really excited. So, um, and then, yeah, I've, I've actually got a bunch of time, like a, I don't know, 10 days or so off in October too, but, um, no races lined up for then. Um, and yeah, I think I've just got some kind of hopefully some sounds like some adventures with some friends planned um some bike adventures so hopefully those kind of hold um but yeah the, we'll kind of see what the weather does and everything but yeah hopefully some some good bike adventures during that time off just kind of just kind of some fun rides and fun adventures and some really really big days <laughs> that we're looking at so yeah that'll be that awesome amazing. yeah sounds amazing yeah. well if folks want to follow your adventures where do they where can they follow find you um, so I am on Instagram. I guess that's kind of my main thing. I don't have Twitter. Um, and my Instagram is L Mackenzie. Mackenzie's my middle name, but it's L M A C K E N Z I E eight seven. So yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah, I think that's probably like the biggest area. <laughs> Perfect. Really, she responds. Really she responded to me on Instagram. So you <laughs> can reach out to Lauren on Instagram. So, she may be working just, in an emergency. Show. Yeah, yeah. I probably won't respond to you between the hours of like you know, four when I'm sleeping, like, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't reach out to Lauren for medical advice. Yeah, you, might hear things that, you might hear things at like 2 a.m. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh man. Well, thank so. you so much for joining us today. Oh yeah. Um, thank you for having course. me so much. This is great. <laughs> you have been listening to the girls gone gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.